I love that song that we sang that was based on our text, Psalm 103, that new one that Isaac discovered somewhere out there in the ether world, in the interwebs. It's a great one, and I don't hardly even need to preach it. If you, if you were paying good attention to those words, I would almost just say amen, see you next week. But you weren't, I know, and you didn't get everything that I hoped you would get. So we're going to spend a little time, first of all, reading Psalm 103. 13 through 18, Psalm 103, if you have your Bible, please, verses 13 through 18. And this psalm tells us to bless the Lord, to praise the Lord for his many benefits. He is the great benefactor, and we are the blessed beneficiaries, aren't we? He gives and he gives and he gives again. And we receive and we receive and we receive again from him. He is good to us, is he not? Let us worship him now as we hear these words from the holy book. The book of God. God's inspired holy word. Our text is Psalm 103, 13 through 18. I'll read it aloud and you let your eyes follow along in your Bible. And drink in these beautiful words from our Lord. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. For he knoweth our frame, he remembereth that we are dust. As for man, his days are as grass, as a flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting upon them that fear him, and his righteousness unto children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those that remember his commandments to do them. And all God's people said, at the reading of his word, praise God for his word, we would be lost and wandering aimlessly if we didn't have a sure map. You folks that are accustomed to GPS these days, as I am when we go somewhere, And you're going along and you lose a signal and you're flying blind. And you're like, I hope I get my stuff. I have no clue. I don't have a map anymore in my car. Every car used to have a map, but nobody uses maps anymore. So I sure hope I get this signal back because I don't know where my next turn is. Apart from the Word of God, we have no signal. We don't know where we're going. We don't know where the turn, to stop, to merge, to yield. God is, is, is kind and faithful to give us his holy word. I pray we will treasure it more than our very bread. So the title of today's sermon is God's mercy and man's frailty. God's mercy and man's 
frailty. All down through this psalm, we're reading about his mercy. We read in verse 4 about his loving kindness and tender mercies. We read in verse 8, he is merciful. In fact, plenteous in mercy, verse 8. He don't have just a little mercy. He's got plenty of it. Plenteous in mercy. We read in verse 11, great is his mercy. It is so great, it's like... Well, you know how high the heaven is above the earth? That's how great his mercy is. It's that great. It's that much toward his own, his children, those who fear him. In verse 17, we read today, the mercy of the Lord is eternal. It is from everlasting to everlasting. It won't end. So you put those four phrases together. It's tender mercy. It's plenty mercy. It's great mercy. It is eternal mercy. God's mercy and man's frailty. And so we're looking at a father who has compassion on his child. This is how the Lord views his children. 4, verse 14 says, he knows our frame. And he remembers that we are dust. How does he know our frame? How does he know how we're formed? Well, he formed us. He framed us. He knows our frame because he framed us. He knows what we are. Sometimes we forget what we are. He knows that we're dust, but we think we're gold. We're dust. Or someone said, uh, the Lord knows we're dust, but we forget that. And we get stuck on ourselves. And when dirt gets stuck on itself, it's mud. That's, That's about right. He knows our frame. He remembers that we're dust. How did God make man to start with? Well, you say, of of course, it's obvious. We we came from monkeys, preacher. That's what we're told, right? We came from monkeys. Is that right? What a lie. That's the big lie that our kids are told. You're an accident. You just randomly, with chance and time, there's no creator, there's no plan. You just came from a monkey. So act like animals. It'll be all right. You know, if we tell our kids they came from animals, they'll they'll probably act like animals. If we tell them they came from a divine maker with a divine plan and authority over them who can tell them, do this, but don't do that, and go here, but don't go there, because he's the creator. Uh, How did we come into being? How did God make us? Well, we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. God takes the dirt and he forms up a shell of a person and that person is nothing yet but a shell and he breathes into this person the breath of life and man becomes a living soul. His eyes twinkle for the first time and his lungs expand for the first time and his heart beats for the first time and he is made in such a way that he loves his maker and he's eager to please him and to walk with God in the cool of the day in the garden that God has made. So God makes him out of the dirt. God didn't need fancy materials to make man. In fact, he chose the most common of all things. He made us out of dirt. The valuable part of us is not the dirt part. Our bodies. It's not the part that's When we die, it goes back to the dirt, right? He said in chapter 3, after Adam and Eve sinned, 
From dust you were taken, and to dust you will return. The valuable part of us is not that dirt part. It's that which God has breathed into us. We became a living soul. And when this body folds up and goes back to the dirt, for the Christian, the soul goes home to be with Jesus, awaiting a new body that won't be dirt. That'll be glory. A glorified body like Jesus' body after the resurrection. Do you remember? He could be here and he could be there and he could appear in the room and he could leave the room and he didn't need the doorknobs and he didn't need the door. He was just here and he was gone. He was there and he was there. And he was, where'd he go? Well, he's gone. He's vanished out of their midst and he's back. A, a new glorified body. A glory body, not a dirt body. But he made us from dust. We're dust. He remembers that we're dust. He pities us because he knows that we're so weak and we forget that we're weak. We become proud. We become independent. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. You're just dirt. Let the Creator tell you what to do. We're just dust. He remembers that we're dust. And if that's not enough to get the point across, He says, you're like, you're like not only you're, you're, you're dust, you're like grass. Verse 15. Grass. You're here for a moment and then you're gone. You're not like a cedar or an oak tree. Or you're not a rock. You're just grass. You're mowed down and you wither and you perish. You're like that flower out in the field, that wildflower. It's there and then the wind blows across it and it wilts and it's gone. The place where it was is, is bare now. It's barren. There's no flower there. It's the dust, the, the grass, the flower was frail and temporal and feeble and, and gone. And we're told this all in Scripture. We're taught this. Psalm 37.2 says the same truth. Psalm 37.2 says that we're not to fret against evildoers. We're not to envy workers of iniquity. They shall soon be cut down like the grass. They shall wither like the green herb. But you trust in the Lord and you do good and you'll dwell in the land and you'll be fed. And God will bring forth your righteousness as the light. And you wait for the Lord and trust in Him. Don't envy evildoers. They're going to be cut down and withered. Psalm 90 says the same thing again in a different way. Psalm 90 says... We're like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes. It grows up. In the evening it's cut down and withers. So Psalm 90 verse 5 says grass lives a day. It springs up. It flourishes. It's cut down. It withers. The point of these poetic passages in Psalms is our lives are brief. They're frail. Life is short. But here's the wonderful thing. Jesus, by his resurrection, cheats death. He, he doesn't cheat death. He beats death. So that we who live but a little time really live forever because of Christ. Our earthly life is short and fraught with tr 
trouble and problems, but we inherit eternal life. And we will live forever with Christ in glory. But think about this earthly life. In Psalm 90 again, he says, the days of our years are threescore and ten. We live about 70 years. And maybe God will give us ten more. It might be 80. And of course, some get a little more than that. Some don't get that many. God is in his providence ruling as he sees fit. Brother Lynn ran across Brother Sonny the other week at Waffle House. Brother Sonny's 96 and still doing well, according to what Brother Lynn says. Uh, Our lives are short. Your dust, your grass, your flower. So go ahead and bloom where you are. If you're just going to live for a day, go ahead and bloom for a day, right? If he compares us to a flower, give off some fragrance while you can. Let the fragrance of Jesus be seen. You only have just about this long. It's brief, it's short. Will you glorify Christ in these few days that you have? Or will you live selfishly and take the one little short life that you have and throw it away in selfish pursuits? Wicked rebellion. If you're like grass and you're like a flower, bloom where you're planted and give some fragrance where you are. But remember, this life is is brief. I remember as a child, I want to I want to give you this poem, and I all of you can identify with it. It is entitled Time's Pace. Time's Pace. It talks about how time paces itself depending on the season we are in our lives. When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. Now isn't that true? When you're little, you think, oh, time is moving so slow. I want to be big. I want to be big. I want to do what the big people do. I want to be able to do this and I want to be able to not have to take a nap. Oh, for the day when we would be punished by being made to take a nap. Wouldn't that be a good day to return to? Alan, go take a nap. I would love to hear that order come from my wife or my mother again. But when you're little, you're punished. I don't want to take a nap. So you're like a child and time creeps along. When as a youth, next phase, when, when as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. So it's not creeping anymore. It's moving a little faster, but it's still not moving very fast. And I want to be 16 so I can drive. And I want to be 18 so I can leave home and do my own thing. But time is walking. It's too slow. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. So it's not creeping and it's not walking. It's running. And and when you become an adult, you struggle to keep up. You've got jobs and you've got families and you've got bills and you've got deadlines and you've got responsibilities and you're just trying to survive. Time is running. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. As older still I grew, 
time flew. And I think that's where I'm at now. Time flew. You say, where did it go? How is it possible? How is, how is it that I have a 37-year-old child? Isaac had a birthday this week, turned 30. If I got it right, 37? Yeah. How's that possible? How is that possible? Where did the time go? Time flew. The next little couplet says, Soon I shall find in traveling on time gone. I'll be at the end. Have I lived 75, 85, 65, 59 years? How is that possible? I've come to the end. My time is gone. Beloved, time is precious. We can't live for everything. We can't do everything in this life. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You can't serve two masters. Will you take this one life that God gave you? And will you live it for him, whether it's washing dishes, raising children, buying supplies, working in whatever field God's given you? Can you, can you say, all of my life is for Jesus I want to be a steward of everything for the glory of Christ. I've only got a little time, a little window. What will I use it for? And the last phrase says, I'll, I'll go back over it again so you can see the pace of time. When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked, time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. As older still I grew, time flew. Soon I shall find in traveling on, time gone. Last verse, O Christ, wilt thou save me then? Amen. Amen. When I come to the end, I've got no more time. Will Jesus be there? Will he be faithful then? Amen. Amen. Yes, he will. For we're talking about the mercy of the Lord and the frailty of men. We are frail. We are weak. In Psalm 39, our life is described as a handbreadth. You know, in ancient times, they didn't have tape measures and laser measures where you could just point a laser at something and say it's 39 and, and three-quarters feet to cross the room. They couldn't stretch out, so they used parts of their body to measure things. They, they had the cubit from the tip of the finger to the elbow. That was a cubit, and it varied from the royal cubit and the ancient cubit and the common cubit, but generally it was a, about an 18-inch span, the cubit. Then there was the span that was from the thumb to the little finger. That was a span. And then there was the hand breadth, which was the four-finger measurement. And in Psalm 39, it says, our days are like a handbreadth. We live about that long. That's how much time we've got, just about that much. Then there was the finger breadth, which was about three-quarters of an inch and so forth. That's where they measured things. The psalmist said in Psalm 39, you have made my days like a handbreadth. I've only got this much. It's so short. It's so brief. What will I do with it? I've only got that much time to glorify Jesus. I've only got that much time to preach Christ. I've only got that much time to 
prove my loyalty to the one who made me. You prove your loyalty to Jesus when the battle comes. Amen? We don't prove our loyalty in the barracks when we're sitting there doing nothing, but when the foe rages against you, when the world comes against you, when the culture tells you all kinds of stuff, you prove your loyalty then by standing firm against the culture. And you've only got about that long to do it, and then it's going to be over with, and then we're going to be in the audience of the king who's going to say, now let me evaluate your life. It was a short life, but you had ample opportunities to preach Christ, to love Christ, to stand for Christ, to prove your loyalty to the true Lord. Our days are as grass. He remembers that we're dust. We're like a flower of the field. Isaiah 40 says it again. Same truth. Isaiah 40, verse 6. All flesh is as grass and all the goodliness thereof as the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades because the Spirit of the Lord blows upon it. The people is grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So there's this temporal world where things wilt and fade, and then there's this eternal world, and there's something that outlasts this world, namely the Word of God. The Word of our God shall stand forever. The Word of our God teaches us about the Messiah who will come with a strong arm and gather his lambs to his bosom. All in Isaiah 40, what a chapter that is. Our hope, beloved, our confidence is not in feeble things, flimsy things. If your trust is in yourself or it's in man, you're leaning on a broken reed. You're going to lean on it. Isaiah told the people, he said, why would you trust in Egypt? They're going to be like a reed. You're going to lean upon the reed. It's going to break. It's going to go up in your hand. It will not support you. It's not a worthy object of your trust. Don't trust in Egypt. And he was talking there about the kings of Israel that were tempted in their day to make their alliances with mighty Egypt that had horses and chariots and resources. God said, why are you trusting in Egypt? Why don't you trust in me? Egypt will be a broken reed in your hand. You'll lean on it and it won't hold you up and it will pierce you and you'll be aware of what a fool you've been by trusting in Egypt. Trust in me, your king. And Isaiah says this several times. Our confidence, our hope is not in feeble things. It's not in fragile things. It's not in temporal things. The Christian's hope is in the living God. And he is contrasted with man's frailty. His mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. Upon them that fear him. And we talked last week. We're not going to go back and talk about that distinguishing characteristic of a true Christian again. Those that fear God. We talked about that last week. You can check the website out if you missed it. It is upon those who fear him. It is upon those who remember his covenant. It's to those that do his commandments. All these are birthmarks of a true believer. He gives us mercy from everlasting to everlasting. Can you say it any more comprehensively? 
Here we are, a little piece of grass, a little flower, a handful of dirt, and so frail are we, and God remembers our frame. This is why God will judge one day rightly. Listen to me. God will judge rightly all people one day because he will take all things into consideration. He knows all the factors. He knows that we're feeble. He knows our frame, but he also knows he made us in his image, and so he gave us a mind and a heart. He knows where we're feeble, and he knows where we're just willful and stubborn. He knows that we're small, and he knows where we're defiant. He's got it all together. He's got all the facts, so he will judge rightly. Here his highlight is upon his compassion upon us, knowing that we are but dust, knowing our frame. He formed us out of the dirt. He made us to walk with him. We're like grass. We're like a flower. The wind knocks us over. We're gone. We wilt. We're over with. James says our life is but a vapor. Remember that passage, James 4? What is man? He says, what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then, and then vanisheth away. James 4.14, how brief is life, how frail is life, even if we live 70 or 80 or 90, it is like a wave of the ocean, it comes up, it breaks and it's gone, where's that wave, it's gone, our days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, Job says, that's how quick our days go by, And before we know it, we've lived 70 years. We've come to the end. Beloved, however much time God gives you left, determine that you'll live heartily for Jesus. If you're young, you're blessed with youth. Don't waste it. Don't waste youth in foolishness, in selfishness. Learn from your elders Listen and learn humbly. Don't let the world deceive you. Choose carefully. Walk humbly with God, for the time will come when your walk will be over with. As summer flowers, we fade and die. Fame, youth, and beauty hurry by. But life eternal calls to us from the cross. And he says here a a great blessing, verse 17. In contrast to the temporal nature of man and his frailty, in fact, all of life is frail and fragile, but there is something that is not fragile, that is not temporal, it is eternal. It is the mercy of the Lord upon his people. It was from and to, from everlasting to everlasting. We've read his word. We've understood that the covenant of grace began in eternity past where the Father gave to his Son a people. And Jesus agreed to come into this world and buy his people that the Father gave him. We've looked at those great Bible doctrines of election and predestination that everybody will believe if they believe the Bible. They may define it 
differently, but you can't get around those doctrines. They're there in the scriptures. From everlasting, in eternity past, God worked in mercy for his people. Wow. And he's still working right now in mercy for his people. And in 10,000 years, we will be singing around his throne, God is merciful to his people still. After all this time, it will be from everlasting to everlasting. And it's unto children's children. God bestows on us as his people the privilege of nurturing those who will one day be his people. Of raising up the coming generation to know his mercy, to know the true and living God, to know him rightly. He bestows on us that unspeakable privilege of pouring into little ones, young ones. Our children's children will know the mercy of the Lord to be true and faithful and unending. And he gives us a part in that great role, that great job. He gives us a role. He gives us a a task as parents. Praise be to God for the Lord's mercy, his kessed, the Hebrew word kessed, it's used four times in this psalm, verse 4, 8, 11, and 17, his unending love, his steadfast love, his covenant loyalty, his tender mercies, translated numerous ways, but his, his stubborn love, he will not give up, he will not let go of his people. He will not break covenant. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. Lift up your heart and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ, our King. The hope of all who seek Him, the help of all who find. None other is so loving, so good, and so kind. Let's stand. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the comfort of the scriptures and the hope that we have as we read your word. You were faithful to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and you were faithful to David and you were faithful to Moses and all the prophets. And I think, Lord, somehow maybe on this side of the cross in this age where the Holy Spirit literally indwells us and seals us until the day of redemption and we have a complete Bible that's not still in the process of being written, perhaps we're the most favored of all, the church of the living God, the blood-bought assembly called the Lamb's children. We are weak. We are frail. We are foolish, like a sheep, easily led astray. You, O Lord, are our great shepherd king, our great covenant maker and covenant keeper. And in you we rejoice. You are our mighty fortress. 
You are a dwelling place in all generations. You are not temporal. Your kingdom will stand when moons wax and wane no more than this world comes to an end. When this world passes away, the word of our God will stand forever and, and you will make a new heaven and a new earth and all will be well then. Hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, our Lord. Blessed be your name and bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. We forget not your benefits this day. Thank you for your mercy, your steadfast love to us. One day we will be enthroned with you above the skies. And we will see then how much we owe you if we can't see it yet. Lord, strengthen us with this. Send us out into this life, into this week, into this world, into this difficult time. Knowing that we have an opportunity to prove our loyalty. The window is brief. It will soon close. May we fight well and hard and and with all that we've got for your name, for your glory, for your will. For you are good. You are worthy, O oh Lord. May we go out into this world and proclaim Christ and his saving power to a rebel race of sinners that we do not look down on because we have been saved out of that race. We know what we were. We do not gloat or lift up ourselves as if we are something but we lift up Christ to those that may yet come. Make us bold and make us loyal to you. Thank you for this church. Thank you for these people, for what you've done here to hold us up, even till this very moment. It is by grace that we stand. It is by your faithfulness that we're here. And, O oh Lord, get glory going forward, both now and forever, to your name. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. And all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen.